0: Getting to know you. Ah. Getting to know you. Hi, I'm Lynn Knudsen. Welcome to episode three of Getting to Know You, a podcast about treehouse community. I have lived in this beautiful community for 17 years now, and I'm convinced more than ever that this community should be a model for all the world to see. In case you didn't know about it, I'll give you a brief overview. The amazing Judy Cockerton, our founder, adopted a child many years ago from the foster system and recognized the enormous need for a community to provide the comfort and security that families who take children from the foster system to foster and adopt them. So she sprang into action and from finding the right location, the housing organization, and many other necessary entities, she actually created a village which she named Treehouse. You can Google Treehouse Foundation East Hampton to view it in all of its glory. Now to the purpose of this podcast. A village is made up of its members, the heart and soul of the village. So I am here to report to you the heart and soul of Treehouse. Okay, good morning, Maureen. This is Maureen Sinkelitz, whom I am seeing today on our program, Getting to Know You. And I want to get to know you a little bit more, Maureen. I've seen you in in Treehouse and talked to you a little bit, but now we're going to find out all about you. <laughs> well, good morning,
1: Lynn, and thanks very much for, for having me on this wonderful, beautiful
0: autumn day. Yeah, it's, it's lovely out. We're so lovely. happy to have this lovely weather. It's so lovely, yeah. Okay, well, let's start. But please tell me something about yourself. Where were you born and where were you raised? Well, I was born and raised in Northampton,
1: uh, born at Cooley Dickinson Hospital, oh. uh, actually 1946, Um, And Northampton at that time was just a very small college town, Smith College. I was born and lived right on the border of Smith College. Um, And that campus was very influential in my childhood growing up because my grandfather um, on my maternal side was a dentist and he always, he had an office in the center of Northampton and we used to walk to the office and then he'd walk me down to Paradise Pond on the campus of Smith College. Oh. So the campus was always a big part of my life and over the years now that I'm 77, I've just been watching that campus grow. I've taken a lot of programs over the, over the years at the, on the campus. And of course we lived right on the border. Um, my dad was a, a grocer. Um, he picked up a grocery store from his dad who had it for years and um, unfortunately A&P came in Uh, Northampton probably the the, uh, early 50s, maybe Mm mid-50s, and my dad lost his business, which was kind of sad, similar to what happens today when small businesses just don't make it when a big big corporation comes in. So Uh my dad lost to A&P, but he was – very diligent, and immediately started taking classes at UMass. Oh, good for him! And he ended up being a, a um, engineer.
0: Oh, and
1: uh-huh. a, and a designer for uh-huh. ProBrush.
0: Oh, wonderful! Uh-huh.
1: Uh, my mom was a mom was a stay at home mom. Uh-huh. Um, we grow up. We grew up. Um, How many were there of you? My sister. My sister, who's three years younger, uh-huh. Monica, and and myself, we were extremely close, mm-hmm. and we still are to this day. We mm-hmm. still travel together. Our travels don't take us as far as they used to, yeah. but we still uh, uh-huh. travel three or four times a year together oh, to the to the cave or to yeah. the She Head lives or, nearby. She literally oh, lives about a mile away from Treehouse, oh, which is like terrific. It was perfect. So, um, has she ever thought of moving to Treehouse? she's still married and uh-huh. it wouldn't work for the two of them but uh-huh. she was a school teacher for almost 50 years uh-huh. um and uh so she has thought of it if mm-hmm. her situation has changed because yeah, she's had a uh-huh. love for children and of course with our mm-hmm. foster and adopted influence mm-hmm. with the youth that we have at treehouse you know she uh-huh. would really gravitate that
0: yeah. to that quite uh-huh. quickly yeah, she'd so be perfect.
1: yeah mm-hmm. so um so and we were very we were brought up strictly uh Very Catholic, Uh very Catholic. Uh As a matter of fact, both my sister and I became nuns Really, um, right out of high school. Um, Mm -hmm. We went to Catholic school, grammar school, high school. And, um, you know, I look at it now and I don't know whose influence that was. You know, my mom probably, you know, she was, you know, she had some Irish uh, beliefs that if you had a daughter or a son that, Went into the religious life, you yeah. got your way to heaven. You know? so, um, <laughs> wow. So, uh-huh. uh, so I, I went into a missionary order. I had always had a strong attraction to becoming a nurse and uh-huh. a missionary. Oh. And um, so I went into an extremely strict um, Irish order straight, uh-huh. from, straight from the Dublin area, these nuns were. And um, they were very, very strict. And I, I didn't make it. Hmm. Um I was just too American and too lively and too, you know, just too precocious or whatever. <laughs> um so I didn't make it. My sister, on the other hand, she she stayed in for seven years before she kind of left wow. on her own. So uh, she was a nun for seven years? She was and, a nun here. And what made her change her mind? The the church had changed and didn't still have the same mm-hmm. the same Kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no, there was no um, connection with the sisters anymore. They kind of lived in their own apartments, uh-huh. and they moved out of their convents. Uh-huh. And they uh-huh. were driving cars, and they got out of teaching, which was what attracted her to the order. Mm -hmm. And um, so people were becoming, nuns were becoming hairdressers and, you know, just doing some of their own things. And my sister, it just did not fit her, uh, you know, her... You know her reasons why she went in kind yeah. of changed. Oh, yeah, you know, so I can see that. Um, yeah. But anyway, she did teaching as a nun for seven years, of course, and then she went on to teach for
0: mm-hmm. oh. the rest of. But yourself now, you left the the. You said you didn't make it. Do you mean that uh, you were going to be a nun, but you never became a nun? I didn't. They asked me to leave. They uh-huh. just
1: didn't feel that I kind of fit that. Oh, really? Know. So it was very hard for me yeah. when what I do you got. What are oh. they were looking for? Um, what were they looking for? Yeah, um, they were looking for. Um, I was kind of playful uh, uh-huh. um, as a nun, and there was very strict strict rules. And uh, um, uh-huh. uh. it's not that I violated them, but I played with them a little yeah. bit, uh, and uh-huh. um, you know, so it, it wasn't well taken. It was, uh, you know, uh-huh. so I was more of a uh, doing it in jest, and uh-huh. you know, because yeah. we only talked like an hour out of the day. We never talked at meals, so it was very structured. So Mm -hmm. I just had a tendency to act out a little bit Uh just to get some Playfulness, so you uh-huh. know. So at that time, if I went in today, they would have adored me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they've changed now, and I, yeah. you know, I would have made it today. But they were more, much more conservative. Oh, then. Very, yes. very yeah. conservative. Yeah, yeah very yeah. conservative. And oh. It was very hard for me not to talk for just one hour a day. You know, <laughs> sure. that was very. very
0: you it sounds strict. like you were far too human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. when I got out. Um, Much to my surprise, all my classmates, my close friends, had gone on. During the seven months I was in, um, my classmates had gone on to school, Uh gone on to college, and Uh gone on to take jobs. So Uh when I left Boston um, to come back home here in uh, Northampton, they were all gone. So I had a really difficult time reconnecting to, to get a friendship base. yeah. So, keeping with my theme of wanting to be a nurse, I went into a local school here in Northampton, which is a vocational school, and they had an incredible LPN program there, which I entered uh-huh. and made a new circle of friends and graduated from that. Worked as an LPN for um, Maybe four or five years. And then I said, I, I need to be an RN. You yeah. know, I'm uh-huh. working much too hard and not yeah. pay- getting paid enough. Yeah. And so I, I went on to school. Uh-huh. Um,
0: oh, good. Went
1: to Greenfield Community College, which is a local college, and then continued my education when I moved to Florida. I see. At University of South Florida uh-huh. in Fort Myers and Edison Community College where I picked up the rest of my courses. So what made you move to Florida? Um, my marriage Oh, um, my husband had an inkling he w- he lived in f- in Hawaii for oh. several years, mm-hmm. and actually, we went to Hawaii. He had kind of dreams of moving back there. He was yeah. in the service uh-huh. in Hawaii oh. mm-hmm. for four years, and um he wanted to move back there. Yeah, it's so beautiful there. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So I was all for it. so we actually looked for jobs there and then realized we both were highly employee. Em- employable. Yeah, he as a cop and me as a nurse. We're, mm-hmm. but then we started worrying about our families and the cost that it would be to get back home in uh, crises. Yeah, uh, you know if something happened with his family who was yeah. aging, my mom and dad who were aging, you know, and just the fine the financial end of it. Yeah, stopped us from moving there. So oh, then he just yeah. got a hankering that how you know that Florida was going to be like, yeah, Hawaii. But I hated to tell him it's not, Peter. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but we lived there for um 20 some odd years and we had the time of our lives. Oh,
0: wonderful. We
1: have yeah. wonderful friends, we had wonderful careers there, each of us. Um, and um, you know, I ended up being in. Where in spots that I never thought that I would be in, Uh that just was like I was meant to be here. Uh Uh And I ended up with wonderful positions and um, ended up with a wonderful career at a private um, hospital for eating disorders and substance abuse. Uh Oh, excellent. Which was um, 10 years of my most wonderful career. Um, uh-huh. I got very involved with the eating disorder mm-hmm. dynamics and and mm-hmm. you know what occurs, how things happen with yeah, uh, with uh, women and men. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, men weren't really coming out with their eating disorders. Was yeah, that when I was yeah. there in the nineties. Men don't divulge. They don't divulge. And um, yes. but thankfully. Towards the end of the 90s and into the early 2000s, men started coming out mm-hmm. with their uh-huh. with their eating disorder yeah. issues oh. and um, started and and women hit it for years too with yeah. heavy clothing and now they. They honored their thinness, they yeah. honored their anorexia, yeah. and they changed their clothing over the years to, to honor how thin they've been. Yeah. So over the years, I saw a lot of things that changed. But anyway, I could go on with eating disorders for a long
0: time. Uh, um, at that time, while you, while you were working and you had your career, you had children too, right? No, I never had children. Oh, yeah. I was not able to have children. Oh. Um,
1: and, you know, but Peter had four children. Oh. And um, so, uh, and because of, he had a strong Catholic faith, and I also had a very strong Catholic faith, although he was more practicing than I was. But um, we both were able to get annulments from our church, oh. mm-hmm. um, which was quite a process for both of us. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get married in the church. So I have mm-hmm. four, four stepchildren uh-huh. who. One unfortunately has passed away, but I'm very close to three of them now. Oh, that's wonderful! So, yeah, uh, Yeah. yeah, so so you really had your children. (laughs) I had my children, and they've been with me for 46 years now. So, yeah, um, so I'd say,
0: like it or lump it, I'm your mom. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm your mama. That's wonderful. Sounds like you've done very well with relationships. Yeah, Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you uh, some other things about. The values that your family had, what would you would you say that you had the same value? Or what were the values of your family generally? My Let's say about racism, for that's so prevalent in our society. When I grew up in Northampton in the
1: fifties, it was a white community. Yeah. It was an all white community. Right. And I never encountered anyone from a different race mm-hmm. until I was in college. Mm-hmm. When I went back to college, I met my first black woman
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in college. and That I was down in Florida? No, it was here. In, oh, here. here okay. It was here, and it yeah. was up in a little town called Greenfield right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I was going to college. And I also met another black woman in the hospital that I worked at. Mm-hmm. She was a unit secretary. And it was a whole new world that opened up to me. Mm-hmm. Because it was totally white. Northampton was totally, yeah. totally white. And it took years to see that change. Yeah. And the other influence on Northampton, other than being a totally white community, we had a huge state hospital called the Northampton State Hospital. Right. And while I was growing up at the Northampton State Hospital, we had the closing of that, which changed the whole dynamics of the city.
0: Mm-hmm. And how so?
1: They, they were discharged from the hospital, so oh. they came out into the streets, oh. and they were all homeless. Oh. So I got involved with some volunteer groups mm-hmm. to go through Northampton to try to find some of these homeless people oh. and find places to bring food to because mm. they were literally on the streets oh, in, the, in the late 50s yeah. and yeah. early 60s. That was that period of deinstitutionalism. Yes, yes. absolutely. I studying
0: that in college. Yeah, yeah.
1: so Northampton yeah. really experience that head on. Um, And I, of course, when I went into the LPN training, I lived six months at that Northampton State Hospital. There was a nursing Mm -hmm. home there where the nursing students could go and we could choose to live there if we wanted. And I chose to live there Mm -hmm. to get a full sense of the mental health community. And uh, so, of course, when they started deinstitutionalizing, and then another thing that happened to Northampton. So this opened my eyes, and it put me on a track that my parents never discussed. Yeah, and that was homeless, right? Mental health, mm-hmm. helplessness, poverty. Yeah, um, we were very well off, with my mm-hmm. grandfather being a dentist and my father. He was. He did well in his business, and he recouped after losing his store, and immediately got on a fast track to right, make money. Right. Um, you know. And then we had um, the community, the LBGTQ community, come into Northampton. Right. Which was a struggle again for Northampton. So I went through all this process of learning things that I was never taught. Mm-hmm. So I think my nursing career got me into the public eye and to meet these people face on in the streets. So these things were never even
0: thought about or addressed no, in your no, childhood no, because no. because it was an all white community. Yes. So they it never even occurred to them to discuss it. Never. Right. Never. Yeah. never. So it all came as something brand new to brand new. Yeah. And and actually
1: My parents didn't know how to do the legwork through that with Mm -hmm. my sister and I. Yeah. You know, how to show us the path. Uh And my sister and I, and we each took different routes, her through her teaching career. Um, And me through nursing, Mm -hmm. you know, we just took it. So, you know, so we had the gay community come in. We had the state hospital. And then we started having our first AIDS patients Uh coming into Northampton. Right. So I really think during the 60s and 70s, a whole things that i had never experienced yeah. you know i felt like i was in a foreign country yeah everything you know, was new everything was new yeah. everything needed to be learned and um, so it was not unlearning what my parents taught me it was trying to learn what they never were able to teach me because they didn't they didn't have the yardstick for that yeah. you know yeah. so my parents were trustworthy they were they were committed to their faith they were, they had wonderful friends. They, um, my father was very generous when he had his grocery store, you know, and taking care because it was during the war time, you know. Mm. So he was very, you know, he got extra food stamps yeah. slipped that he slipped to other people, yeah, you know. Uh, so I learned how to be generous. Yes, you know, yes. my dad and my grandfather, the dentist, he, he did free service to uh-huh, people. So uh-huh. I learned generosity yes, and giving and caring.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so that was that was. So even though the, these people never had encountered the situations that you did, they gave you a basic value system that you lived with. Yes. which it's a wonderful thing. Yes, so you yeah. learned generosity yeah. and caring. Yeah, yeah. Huh. and thankfully, I I still
1: have that. And, and a lot of times, every now and then, I'll say, "What would my dad do?" I was very close to my dad. He had wanted a son, <laughs> so um, so he taught me how to fish. <laughs> he taught me how to hunt. Uh-huh. Uh, we we had a cottage in the summer in, in the hill towns here, and um, you know, so um, I did a lot of boy things with my dad, uh-huh. and you know, knew how to open up a fish and, you know, debone it and, <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah. you know, so my dad and I were very close. So every now and then, even now as I get older, um, I think, what would, what, my, what would my dad tell me right now? Yeah. You know, he was just always proud of me no matter where I went in my, my life or what I did. He always said, "You made it, Maureen," mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I, and I knew I hadn't made it,
0: yeah. you know,
1: mm-hmm. and that I had to go another step with yeah. my career, yeah. you know, with my education. But no matter what I did along the path, he just was, "You've done, you've done it. I'm proud yeah. of you. Uh, that's Rest lovely. on your laurels." And uh, I go,
0: that's wonderful, you know. So is that, uh, that is. Did you ever have any heroes when you were a youngster, or even now? there was a couple
1: of there was a couple of nuns when I went to school that were um looked out for me mm-hmm. you know i I really wasn't good in high school
0: mm-hmm.
1: good in grades I was a good grade school student high school I kind of
0: let things slip by uh-huh. um what do you think that was? Do you think, we did you become boy crazy, as my parents called it? <laughs> no, actually,
1: um, I wish I had a couple of boyfriends, but I knew early on that I wanted to be a nun. So I kind of kept my eye on that ball yeah, and on that direction. Yeah. So I had a couple of boyfriends, but it wasn't something that I really wanted to have changed my course of what my goal was, was to be... You know, get into the convent. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, I was active in in many of the you know the student council, drama, uh, choir. You know, I was very active in high school, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't really see a whole lot of meaning to put anything into my schooling. Yeah. Because I was going to be a nun. Yeah. So I so I had a couple of nuns that would come to me and, you know, and just try to raise me up. You know. Yeah. So of course I graduated, um, you know, with You know, not being embarrassed—should I say that—of my grades, and then when I went to to nursing school, of course, I regrouped and just realized the value of keeping my eye to on the, Uh you know, on what I was doing. So, um, so yeah,
0: yeah, that's about the story of that. All right. Well, you sounds like you've had a wonderful. Wonderful family and one and and the nuns. You had so many good experiences yeah, in your life. You yeah. had a wonderful background filled with a lot of love and generosity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what drew you to Treehouse? Tell me how you first heard about Treehouse and what made you want to live here.
1: Well, you started um I was um my husband um, came down with dementia.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Alzheimer's type. Uh-huh. And um, I took care of him for several years, uh-huh. um, and then it became too dangerous. He he fell a lot, uh-huh. and it became too much for me to care for him. Yeah. So he went into a nursing home Mm -hmm. in 2012, which was probably one of the most difficult things that I had to do in my Uh, life. Yeah. Because I felt less than. Yeah. It made me feel less than, you know, being a nurse and being a loving wife.
0: Yeah. oh, How old was was, he?
1: He was a young man when he first started getting symptoms. Yeah. He was in his early 60s when we I started noticing some changes. And it was a slow progression, but then he lost his ability to walk and things, so that was really compounded to my ability to be safely a caregiver for him. So I picked up, I was still working at the time, got him in the nursing home, and then I picked up a little more volunteering at the Northampton Senior Center where I met a woman who talked to me about, we talked about, am I gonna keep where I'm living now? You know. Where am I gonna move on? Am I gonna look at other places to live? Yeah. And she told me about Treehouse, ah. <laughs> excuse me. So I immediately got in my car and came over. Ah. And actually it was during the Christmas holiday that I came riding down uh, in my car in Button Road and got onto Treehouse Circle. Mm-hmm. And with the holidays, everything was lit up. Oh, mm-hmm. So I thought I died and went to heaven. Um, <laughs> yeah. We have the mountain, of course, over us, yeah. you know, surrounding uh-huh. Uh-huh. our, our yeah. community. And the tree was lit up Yeah, on top of Mount Tom. And the houses were all lit up. And so I kept driving around the circle. I kept <laughs> going around Button Road. And I kept going around Treehouse Circle. And I go, this this. This is meant to be. So <laughs> yeah. as soon as I could, I said probably it was. It was probably within a week or uh-huh. two that I was at the door,
0: yeah, and
1: meeting Yael
0: uh-huh.
1: um, yeah. and finding out what do I have to do next, uh-huh. and and then the story un, unfolded from uh-huh. there.
0: Oh, uh-huh. how wonderful! And
1: yeah. it met the things that I I needed to. F- I needed to go to a place where I felt that my safety of all things would be assured Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that that I would be, not cared for, but that people would be aware Uh that I'm there, Uh you know, if I needed anything. I've been pretty independent, you know, but it's just nice to have the thought as you age that somebody, might know that you need something, that you yeah. need a little help. Right. And I've had that experience since I've been there mm-hmm. where I've had to tell people, I can't, I don't need any more meals. You guys are wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna start selling it on the street, you know? <laughs> and um, and my love for children, of course having my stepchildren but not being able to have my own children. Um, I love the idea of having laughter uh-huh. in an area that I lived, and yeah. so many older-age residents in this area didn't have children. Yeah, Maybe an occasional grandchild was yeah. vis- would visit, but you didn't hear laughter. Yeah, You didn't hear kids on bicycles. You didn't yeah. hear basketballs going getting right. thrown yeah. through hoops. Yeah. I needed that noise. I liked that noise, I liked the laughter,
0: yeah, the intergenerational aspect of Treehouse well, is so special it's It's
1: magical, yeah, in, in my it life is. it met ma- it checked off every box, as people said now, just yeah, as, right. yes, this yeah. checked off every box.
0: Okay, Maureen,
1: tell me about this heroes group. Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that, Lynn. since I've been at Treehouse, I've been working as a volunteer with the heroes program which is a program for foster and adopted youth um, who have experienced foster care and the resulting trauma that they experience when they leave the system at age 18 in terms of their mental health issues, their housing issues, their financial issues, um, and just the lack of support. Um, So we work with these children ages 14 to 24 and try to get them on a path to learn how to advocate for themselves. And we do it in a number of ways. One of our most prominent ways is to do a performance for the State House and for the Department of Children and Families so they can get out the word of what they need in order to make the system more workable and more transparent for them to get into the real world as they age out. The thing about Treehouse's um, Heroes Program has, was initiated probably at the time, 15 or 16 years ago, children have been going to this program. We also include adopted children and foster children from other communities in the area, other counties from the area. Um, and we're going to continue to pursue that as we grow. They, um, we've had a few losses in the system with the program since COVID has affected a lot of our youth. And we're just trying so hard to recoup and get them back together so we can get them on the track to get it down to the State House and advocate for themselves. That's our goal. That's our goal. What does HERO stand for? Helping everyone. Receive? Receive our everyday story. Ah. Heroes, Ah, yes. Thank you so much,
0: Lynn. Oh, thank you. To find out more about our intergenerational community, just go to treehousefoundation.net.